Welcome, everyone. You are tuning into the Rise Station podcast, and I'm your host, Pranella Harris, licensed mental health provider. And here we discuss mental health and wellness tips. So if that's your thing, you are in the right place. Welcome. If this is your first time tuning in, do me a favor and hit that subscribe button so that you get an alert every Monday at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time when I upload a new episode. Please go ahead and share this podcast out with your friends and family. Let them join you in this healing journey. Okay, so Rise Tribe, today's topic, we are discussing self-abandonment. This is something that I have overcome during my healing journey, and I want to share some things that have helped me overcome this challenge. But before I do so, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Hey, listen, ladies, I am hosting a six week boundary built hers workshop and you don't want to miss it. If you want to learn how to establish and maintain healthy boundaries, I encourage you to join and register immediately. Registration for this workshop is available. So go ahead and register. What you will receive is a workbook that will prompt you to follow along as we go live on our workshops. The workshop is weekly for one hour and will be held virtually. You also get a t-shirt, a Boundary Build Hers t-shirt shipped to your home. So go ahead and join the Rise Tribe of ladies looking to teach people how to treat them. I look forward to seeing you on the other side. The registration link will be listed in the show notes and also on our website at www.restorativefamilyservices.com. I look forward to seeing you all there. Take care. Okay, so we're back. Self-abandonment occurs anytime you abandon your wants, needs, values for the needs, wants, and values of someone else. It's when you prioritize people and their problems over your own stuff, okay? Now, What does this look like? What does self-abandonment look like? Well, I want to give you a very real example that has stayed with me for 22 years. Okay, so I started dating my now ex-husband at the age of 15 and we were together up until I was 39. We were married for 15 years. And I remember one day when we were 15. Now, this is how deep it goes, because it goes all the way back. I've been walking around with this since I was 15 years old, right? So I remember one day he had came over my house after school and we both were starving. We both were starving, right? And I'm looking through the fridge and there was nothing to eat. There was literally nothing to eat, right? But there was this one piece of fried chicken breast that I was excited to see. And so I grappled, I'm in the fridge and I'm grappling like, okay, do I share this with him? I mean, do I give him half or do I just like wait till he leaves to eat it by myself? Like I was really in my head about whether or not I wanted to give up my last piece of chicken. Um, So I went against my better judgment and my stomach and I offered him this piece of chicken he without hesitation ate that chicken and then after eating it complained about how hungry he still was I couldn't hold back at this point 
I'm like, okay, I just gave up my last piece of chicken and that didn't fill you up. You should have left it. I was so mad, right? I was mad at him, but I was really mad at myself because I went against my own pull and my own gut feeling of like, no, you need to eat (laughs) and, you know, perhaps figure something out, but don't just go hungry and uh, let someone else eat, right? And at this time, for me, I could not afford to miss a meal. Like I was probably 120 pounds, 5'5", but you know, just muscle and bones. <laughs> that's, that's all I was. And yeah, he just ate that chicken. And then just like, well, what's more? Like, I was so mad. So this chicken story was, you know, again, I held on to this for years. But I realized back then that that was the first lesson of self abandonment right? That was me sacrificing for someone else to, you know, make sure someone else was comfortable to make sure that their needs were met at the expense of my own. And I wasn't as confident as I am today, wasn't as self-assured as I am today to where I can put my needs first and say, I'm going to make sure that I'm taken care of and then, you know, look to take care of someone else, right? But me being mad at him, I mean, It really wasn't his fault, right? But because people will take what you're giving. So, you know, it is up to us to set limits and not put yourself on the back burner to appease others. I learned that I was giving my power away, hoping that someone will give me a refund. I would say here, have this for free and hoping that they would give it back to me, right? So I will offer you this, hoping you say no, right? I'm going to offer you my piece of chicken, hoping you say, no, you eat it. And you know, that's the chivalrous thing. That's the the thing that I was hoping they did. But he just ate that sap sucker up and was like, okay, what's next? So it's really taking stock and understanding your value, right? So where does self-abandonment start? Like, where do we get off ignoring our needs for the sake of other people, prioritizing others over us? Well, typically it happens in our formative years, right? It happens with our loved ones. It happens with our caregivers, the people we have most contact with. Maybe they neglected our needs or we didn't feel heard, validated or cared for emotionally, So we internalize that and then we feel, okay, well, we're not worthy of feeling heard, validated or emotionally cared for. So how we always got along is by putting other people needs first. It makes other people happy and uh, yeah, it keeps people around. So we learn those things early on that we're not as important. But when we, you know, self-abandon, we often feel a ick. We often feel a disharmony inside of us. All right. So I want to give you some more examples of what self-abandonment looks like. That way you can get crystal clear. So when you're doing it, you can verbalize it. You can identify it. You can categorize it so that you can heal it. Right. So number one, pushing your feelings aside. So you ignore your emotions or convince yourself that they're wrong and you shouldn't feel them, right? So let's say you disagree with a friend 
And you have valid points and reasons on why you're disagreeing with this friend. And they get upset. They start crying, right? And now you're like, well, you know what? It's not that big of a deal. And you know what? Maybe I was thinking about this wrong, right? Because you're now pushing your emotion aside, pushing your valid arguments aside because you care about what they're saying and they're upset. So now you're pushing your feelings aside to deal with them. Okay. Number two is people pleasing. You put other people before yourself, even when it leaves you feeling drained. You have a hard time saying no to things, right? So what does this look like? Okay, let's say you had a long day at work and, you know, just a bunch of stress and you just can't wait to get home to relax and just be alone. But then you have this friend who's like, oh my God, but I just need to talk to you. I have this issue with my boyfriend and could you believe he did what he said? I just need to come over and talk. Now, you really don't want to. You really don't have anything in your bucket to give. And, you know, you really don't want to hear about their boyfriend problems because you got problems of your own. But you say yes. Okay. This also looks like, you know, you having a long day at work and you want to relax. But your wife is complaining. Your girlfriend is complaining. You never spend time with me. You never take me out. So then you go take her out but you're miserable you don't want to be there you don't want to be around a bunch of people you just want to kind of relax but you're just appeasing or people pleasing someone else even though you really don't want to okay number three is not advocating for yourself you have a hard time asserting yourself setting boundaries and asking for help right Let's say you're feeling overwhelmed and exhausted and doing way more than your fair share in the household duties, like the duties of the household or running the household isn't equitable, right? You work, you're cooking dinner, you're taking care of the kids and you don't ask for help because you're thinking, oh, well, you know, my partner, they work really hard and they're stressed out. So I should just carry all these burdens because they're stressed out. So when you're not advocating for yourself, you're stressed out as well. Like you're carrying majority of the burdens and you're saying that we're doing, we're working and his burdens are way more important and heavier than my burdens. So I don't want to ask for help. I don't want to let them know that I am on the verge of a mental breakdown. I don't want them to know that I can't keep going. I just don't have the energy to keep this workload, right? So you're not advocating for yourself. You're self-abandoning. Number four is hiding your true self. So you avoid expressing your feelings or sharing your opinions with other people. You may be afraid to pursue certain interests or dreams, right? Because your friends might have strong opinions about that. So this happens. Let's say you have a friend who is just very loud about their disdain for Broadway shows, but you love Broadway shows, but you don't want to be ridiculed or made fun of. So you just don't go or you don't invite that friend or you don't suggest this because you know that this person has been overtly loud and boisterous about them not liking Broadway shows. So you're abandoning your own interest and you're hiding your true self because you love theater and you love Broadway and you're just not wanting to share that side of them because you know their opinions on that. Okay. Number five is 
being your worst critic. You're really hard on yourself, constantly finding faults in your appearance, behavior, and achievement. You start saying self-deprecating things about yourself. Oh, I'm so dumb. Oh, how could I have done that? Things of that nature, right? You even compare yourself to other people or you're operating from an energy of jealousy. Maybe you get jealous of people's lifestyles or their possessions. Maybe not valuing your uniqueness, your strengths. Maybe saying someone else's strengths and uniqueness is better than yours, but really being your worst critic. That's abandoning yourself because you're not really accepting of yourself and loving yourself. All right. When we decide to stop self-abandoning ourselves, we can show up better for ourselves and we're able to stand in our authenticity. Here are some things we can do to get there. Here are some things we can do right now to stop self-abandonment. Number one is journal every single day. Whatever comes to mind, you don't have to have a structure. You don't have to have journal prompts, like whatever you want to write down. The purpose is to spend time reflecting and sharpening your interpretation of the world through your eyes, right? Uninterrupted, just free flowing stream of consciousness, whatever is important to you, write that down at the end of the evening. You know, if you had something great happen to you, great, write that down. If you had something terrible happen to you, write that down. If you had a random thought of your childhood, write that down and how you thought about it. Just flow, okay? Number two, self-acceptance and validation. Don't ignore or suppress your emotions, all right? Accept and feel those emotions without judgment and ridicule. Be compassionate with yourself, all right? Because again, showing kindness to yourself, validating your own emotions is what you need more than anything. And rather than looking for that external validation or others to show you compassion, it's right here at home. You can do that for yourself. Number three is showing yourself unconditional self-love. Now, this is a hard one because it means loving all parts of yourselves, not putting conditions on yourself, what it means, what would you need to do to be happy? Oh, I'll be happy if I lost 15 pounds. Oh, I'll just be happy if my finances were together. If I was more stable, I'll be happy, right? It's always something and you're delaying your happiness to be able to see some type of external proof or reason or thing, whether it be your external physical appearance, whether it be your external status, power, car, whether someone likes you in order for you to change your internal climate. So we're going to just flip that on its head and really provide ourselves unconditional love, meaning that we're loving the good and bad parts of ourselves, like love the strengths, but also understand and accept those things that we're not that good at, but need to work on and put a plan in place to work on it. This is part of self-development, self-improvement. We don't have to be perfect, but 
still showing ourselves compassion and love and not really setting conditions on I can't love this piece of myself because it's not perfect. I can't love that piece of myself because I'm not where I want to be. All right. But loving yourself at all stages. You know, when I work with individuals who want to make some drastic change, whether it's changing their weight, I often say, well, you have to first get in tune and connect with yourself, right? Because it's very hard for you to do something good for somebody you don't like. So if you're constantly in your head talking about, oh, how disgusting you are and why you shouldn't be eating this and judging yourself and saying all kinds of negative things, right? Those diets are not going to work because it's just temporary. You haven't gotten to a point where you accept yourself at every stage and love yourself because it's easier for you to do things for yourself when you love yourself when you're doing this out of love rather than out of punishment I'm going to restrict my calories I'm going to go in a a calorie deficit because I'm punishing myself because I, I shouldn't have gotten overweight right it's a difference from I am working out for my mental well-being I'm working out because I want to be around for my children because I want to have more energy because, you know, I know that taking care of myself is part of my spiritual journey. That is a different conversation, a different dialogue than the negative dialogue of not really liking who you are and wanting to punish yourself or wanting to harm yourself or criticize yourself to a point of getting the results that you want. Right. So love yourself unconditionally. Love yourself at every stage, whether you are broke on your way to getting uh, more money. Love yourself. Don't say, oh, well, when my finances are good, then I can really be good with myself. No, you have to be able to motivate yourself from the dark seasons into the light seasons. Okay, that's what unconditional love looks like. So it looks like affirming, accepting, and just leading with love and compassion for yourself. All right. Number four is explore. Get out of your comfort zone. I want you to approach the world with curiosity, right? Figure out new things, try new things, take risk, because that's going to build your confidence, right? Because when you can take risks, when you can get good at not getting comfortable and complacent, you start trusting yourself more like, hey, you know, if I like it, I like it. If I don't, I don't. But you're at least putting yourself out there and you're building that confidence within. Number five is protect yourself. You have to set boundaries, okay? Because takers will continuously take and you have to be able to modulate how much you're willing to give of yourself to people before you start feeling drained. What are you allowing into your space? Who are you allowing into your energy? But those are the kinds of things that you have to protect yourself. You protect your energy. You protect yourself from uh, being around certain people who are not going in the same direction that you're going. So really setting healthy boundaries, making sure that you set boundaries so that you don't continuously drain yourself, making sure that you're not overworking yourself, making sure that you are doing things that are leisure, that are going to fill your bucket. So setting healthy boundaries, right? Number six, and this is my last tip to stop self-abandonment, is 
standing up. So now that you set those boundaries, now you have to defend those boundaries. You have to stand up for your values, for what you believe in, stand up for your interests on what you enjoy doing and being your authentic self in every situation and not really cutting yourself off to please other people, worried about what other people would think and say and feel, but really being loyal to yourself. Okay. So in conclusion, your relationship with yourself is the blueprint for the quality of relationships you have with others. Self-loyalty is how we avoid self-abandoning, right? Because we stop looking for external validation to validate our internal atmospheres, right? We stop giving away our power to other people hoping for a refund, right? So we are protecting ourselves. We are making sure that we're always looking out for ourselves and we're not allowing others to be in control of our selfhood, of our emotions, because people can mishandle us and we don't want people to mishandle us. So we have to make sure that we are caring and protecting ourselves at all costs, right? So prioritize your needs so that you can have healthier relationships with others. Remember, enjoy your day on purpose, Rise Tribe. All right, until next time, take care of yourselves. If you have found this episode helpful, help us grow our audience. By providing us with a five-star review, you help make this podcast visible to others. Help pull others out of a dark space by showing that you care, by sharing this podcast with them. Nothing is better than a friend or loved one who wants you to up-level your life with them. Thanks for tuning in.